0: In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is.
1: The most amazing, sensational, dramatic.
0: another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Mo.
1: And this is Dallin. Guys, it's the best time of the year. It's NFL playoffs, Mitch, and it's, it's so much fun. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, yeah Santa Claus, baby. get that guy out of here. I, I don't, don't need him anymore. I'm an adult. I care about playoff football. That's what <laughs> I want for Christmas. Uh, yeah, it's, Damn uh, right it it is it is fantastic mitch uh and what a wild card weekend i mean two of these You know, the best franchise of the last decade, two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time going down in the wild card round. I mean, people didn't even expect the Patriots and Saints to even play in that round, let alone lose. We had great games all around, except for a stinker of a Sunday night. Sorry, Philly, Seattle. Not a good game. But we're going to get into all of that today, including some coaching hires. Mitch, my Panthers have a head coach. So do the Giants. So do the Cowboys. I mean, the Browns are the ones left. It just happened like that.
0: It happened so fast, dude. Like, and so by the way, some some real stuff, some some real stuff to talk about in the coaching hire stuff because I know you're fired up about one in particular, and I think there's a lot of opinions to be had about another one in particular. So I I'm excited to dive into all that uh that uh coaching news with you.
1: Yeah, no, it's gonna be. Uh... Yeah, I, very interesting stuff. Obviously, my Panthers hired a head coach, so per, you know, I've, I've, I've got opinions about that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to do all you that. You've got s-
0: shit to say.
1: I do. I do have some stuff to say. And, Mitch, how about we just start with this? No more pleasantries. Gonna... Let's let's just get into this. We're going to get into the news? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Let's get into the news. <music> Woo-hoo! All right, so All right. let's let's start with head coaching and let's start with uh let's start with my team, just to get it out of the way. How about that? Okay. Is that, let, yeah. is that okay? Vent to me, baby. Okay, vent all right. No, it's not It's not a vent. I don't want to say it's a vent because it's not a negative. You so, sounded like before
0: we were started, like you needed to vent about something.
1: No, no, I just you wanted to. You seemed frustrated. I hadn't been able to talk about it all day with anybody, so I'm okay. really excited oh, okay. to talk about it. I've been consuming right. a lot of this. So, like, early, early this morning, at least Mountain Time and Pacific Time even more so, uh, it was announced that the Panthers had hired uh, head coach Matt Rule, who comes from Baylor, Comes straight from the college ranks, has no previous coordinator experience in the NFL, had one year in 2012 as the offensive line coach for the New York Giants— uh, Rule is known for having turned around both Temple's football program and Baylor's. Both were very bad. Both within the span of three years, he was able to get to double-digit wins. In fact, Baylor, his first year, was 1-11, and and this was an 11-3 and team last year that uh, played in the Sugar Bowl, I believe, uh, had a shot at the Big 12 championship, would have gone to the playoff, probably, if they beat Oklahoma. I mean, they, they were a very good team this year, and he did that in such a short span that Impressed a lot of NFL people. The Giants, particularly, uh, really wanted to rule. And in fact, Panthers kind of pounced on it. Tepper wanted Rule the whole time, and when he met with him in Waco yesterday, he decided, I'm not letting this guy get a chance to interview with the Giants tomorrow. So he offered him and signed him to a deal. Six years, Mitch. $60 million with up to $10 million in... in, in, Sorry, seven years. I apologize. It's seven years. It could be up to $70 million. His base salary is 8.5 mil. That's a huge commitment, monetarily and time-wise, to a head coach who has zero previous experience, Mitch, uh, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you start. I kind of gave the preface for those who aren't familiar with Matt Rule and kind of the situation. So, based on the numbers, based on the experience, how do you feel about this hire for Carolina?
0: It's it's a big it's a big deal for a first time head coach. Um, Huge. Look, I mean, and he hasn't even been a head coach all that long. But look at that. I mean. The you know back to the narrative of like what have you done lately? Um, he did turn Temple and Baylor around, two very bad programs, and both of them in the span of three years, like you said. Um, it, like we had talked about, I think on the last spot we had talked about the the philosophy of head coaches and how that how well that translates to the NFL and old style versus new style and adapting to new things. This is what I. This is the kind of hire I think the Carolina might need. Uh, a little new school. Uh, at Baylor, he ran out of the pistol. They ran out of the pistol formation a lot. I don't know if he brings a lot of that to Carolina, but if you can get a good mobile quarterback, a good a quarterback that's good with his feet, set him up with McCaffrey, that scheme might work. Um, a lot better. And we saw, we saw Rivera do that with cam. Um, it, it, but you know, not so much with the whole Kyle Allen thing. Um, so I think that's going to be a nice thing to introduce, uh, back to Carolina. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's a bad hire. I, I think, I think it's a good hire. I think it's a risky hire. I think there, this could really, they could really fall flat on their face with this one, but I don't think it's a bad hire at all. Um, I think that there it's going to be a lot – he's going to have a lot to prove, though, in the first couple years uh, to see if he actually belongs up here or not.
1: Yeah, it is It is definitely high risk, and I respect Tepper as an owner for going out and getting his guy. He He's a very involved owner, and he wanted to get his guy. He wants to make his – mark on the franchise and differentiate what Jerry Richardson Panthers were and what the David Tepper Panthers are going to be. And rule is that kind of guy. This is a splashy, flashy move to give him this much money to pull him out of college for this. Uh and it is high risk. And I respect Tepper because he's put a ch- he's put so much money into The Panthers and into the city, he put $300 million up to get the MLS franchise that's coming in a couple years to Charlotte. I mean, that's his own money he's putting up. He's putting up for a brand new practice facility in South Carolina that will be up in 2022, all backed with his own money. He's putting a lot of money into this team, and that's what this contract feels like, is I'm fully investing into this team. I'm investing all of my resources into this because I want this to succeed. And I respect that he did that with the guy he has. Now, Matt Rule was not my top choice. I, I've said on here before, I wanted Eric Bienemy or Kevin Stefanski. Those were like the two at the top that I would be very excited about. But this is good, Mitch, because they didn't hire... Uh, McDaniels, Josh McDaniels from the Patriots and they didn't hire Mike McCarthy and I would have been mad. Those would have been mistakes. So I don't think Matt Rule is a mistake. It's a risk and it could pay off and it could not. But What I like about Matt Rule is he doesn't come into this with a specific scheme. He's ran multiple schemes in Temple, at Temple, and at Baylor. And yes, he's an offensive-minded, progressive-minded coach, but he doesn't come in with like a specific idea, like a Sean McVay. And once that idea stops working, it's like, what do we do now? He is very—he's shown to be very flexible in scheme and personnel. And he will have to because the Panthers' setup is obviously based around Christian McCaffrey, like you said. So if he puts the right people around him in his staff, I think this can succeed. There's a defensive coordinator, an experienced defensive coordinator, Mitch, that just became available this week. And I'm referring to defensive coordinator Wade Phillips, who was let go from from St. Louis. Excuse me. It's been enough years. They're Los Angeles. Dang it. (laughs) The Los Angeles Rams. And we already saw the success of pairing him with a young offensive-minded head coach in LA a hire like that to Carolina would make me feel a lot better about this and that's gonna really what comes what it comes down to for me is what the rest of the staff around Matt Rule looks like it has to be full of NFL experience and him at the helm as the puppeteer making all the pieces go
0: yeah I, I I really I really think that having some good pieces around him some veteran coaching pieces around him is going to be very crucial uh, for his success on the sideline. I do just want to make a point that this sh- this hire should be really great for Christian McCaffrey in particular based on the scheme that Matt Rule ran at Baylor. Um, you look at a lot of the stuff that he ran, like I said, the pistol formation, but 11 personnel, which means one tight end, one back. Um, and uh, most of the time, three receivers on the field spreading them out. Uh, we saw Christian McCaffrey able to do it through the air a lot. This, this means if you're going to space them out laterally, this should give them a lot more opportunity on the ground. Um, it's weird to think that McCaffrey could possibly be more productive in a system because of the insane production he's already putting out in the system that he was already in. Um, but that's going to be one of the most intriguing things for me to see is how Matt Rule utilizes Chris McCaffrey – in whatever he brings over to Carolina. I think that's going to be the most interesting thing to see for me. A hundred
1: percent. And it's a great pairing. I'm a big fan of that pairing. And that gives me excitement about the future of this team. And he comes at in an interesting spot because this isn't a rebuilding franchise per se. It's a it's right. a franchise that has some very strong parts to it. Very strong players, obviously, like a Keekly and a McCaffrey. Those are two of the what, best 20, 25 players in the league. That's pretty crazy to have two guys on each side of the ball like that. But it's there, there are specific areas of weakness and specific areas that need to be filled that are going to be interesting to see how he handles that. The quarterback position, the defensive line, secondary uh, come to mind, the offensive line at that. So uh, it's it's an interesting spot. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited that that Carolina got a guy, got their guy, and that Tepper, you know, got his guy. If he has confidence in him, then I'm going to have confidence in the owner who seems to me has made smart decisions so far. Uh, and I've been on board with most of what he's done. So we'll see how this goes. But I was pretty surprised by this, Mitch. They had interviews with uh, McDaniels lined up for, I think, today. And uh, obviously didn't go through with that. Uh, they talked to McCarthy twice, but he obviously got hired before uh, they made their hire. So kind of weird timing, I guess. But uh, but yet, here they are, and they have their new head coach. Yep, there they are. So Got their guy. Let's let's talk about the other head coach that was hired today, Mitch, and that is already forgot his name. Joe Judge. Mitch that basically sums up this hire for the New York Giants. (laughs) I didn't even remember. I was
0: just gonna say it's not your fault that you forgot his name because I don't think anyone knew who this guy was. (laughs) I
1: swore his name was Joe Johnson. I swore his name was Joe Johnson. (laughs) No,
0: that's the old. uh, He was a he was a small forward, shooting guard. Yeah, yeah he, yeah, he was. Yeah, he's an NBA yeah. guy
1: for the Hawks and the Nets. Yeah, no, this is Joe Judge. Uh, Joe background Judge. on him: eight seasons as an assistant for the New England Patriots. He's special team assistant and coordinator, wide receivers coach this year as well. Uh, also was an assistant on Alabama, so he's won a lot of championships in his time as an assistant coach. Uh, and Belichick is really high on him and his potential as a head coach. Thinks he could be a really good you know, manager of people uh, in that head coach role. Uh, This seems to me, I, this is, this is interesting, Mitch. I'm not hundred percent sure about this because they were extremely high on Matt rule. He obviously was with that organization in his only NFL experience. And it seemed like that was the giants number one guy. And then the Panthers kind of sneak, get him. And it was like two hours later, all of a sudden they'd hired Joe judge. It seemed like weird timing there. Like maybe they panicked because they didn't get their guy. Like, I mean, there's still plenty of candidates. In fact, the McDaniels who I know they were also high on, it seemed kind of strange to me.
0: It, it is a strange hire. And, you know, Stephen A. Smith went into something today. Uh, it, it was his frustration. And his, and he went the more, why aren't there more black head coaches in the league route, mm-hmm. um, which I've, I'm going to go a little bit different route but at the same kind of kind of the same home base that he's coming from I think is that there are guys like Jim Caldwell out there that yeah. no one's even talking about who had success no one's even talking about Jim Caldwell there are guys like Steve Wilks who didn't get a fair shot in Arizona that maybe deserves another shot right there are, there there are those guys out there That have put their time in. They've been coordinators. And they're going to hire a wide receivers coach. Like this guy has no experience as a coordinator anywhere.
1: Well, so he's a special wh- teams. That's what he's known for, is a special teams coordinator. And to be fair, there that has been successful. John Harbaugh, for example, was a special teams coach before he became a head coach. He had sure. no coordinator experience, and that worked out. And not to say that, like, therefore, Joe Judge is going to work out. Right, it, that's is un- it, is, like, it is different, and it is alarming when you look at the options, I guess, that were there.
0: Yeah, I, I guess it's non-traditional, and I guess Jim or John Harbaugh is the one example of a special teams coordinator that wound up working out. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, John Harwell probably had other responsibilities within the organization he was with other than just special teams coordinator that led him to maybe be considered for a head coaching job. As far as yeah, I know, Joe Judge sure. was a what was a wide receivers coach and a special teams coordinator.
1: He was and, he's only became the wide receiver coach this year. His from two thousand twelve to two thousand nineteen he was the special teams coordinator. Okay. Well, and so and that, he, that's basically but... his background. And and again, like you said, it's – I mean, being a special teams coordinator is obviously extremely different than an OC or a DC or obviously a head coach. But, I mean, it—it it is an interesting hire. And, and this one seems – to be honest, Mitch, it seems more risky than hiring Matt Rule because at oh, least Matt Rule has been a head coach at A-level <laughs> – you know, a high level too, a, a, a you know, a power five, division one, well, and team, team and for, ba- you know, it's like this. This is a lot different. Well, and
0: for an organization like New York, who needs a little bit of a culture shift here, you're going to bring in a guy where his culture is really unknown. You're not really knowing what you're getting here. True. It, it true. just it just seems it seems funky. I do like though that New York is going. Is requesting to speak to Jason Garrett for the OC spot. Yes, I, I do like that I a lot. I
1: love that actually. Go,
0: uh, Cowboys. Go get their biggest rival. The the Giants go out and go to get their biggest rival's former head coach to be their OC. I love that move.
1: Great. Yeah, move. He and can't we, we leave both... the NFC
0: East. Like it just no. seems right to keep him there. And we both said last week we'd like to see Jason Garrett in an OC role. We think he right. would succeed there. So yeah, um, I like that move. And also, that is that's a veteran presence. Like obviously, we're very critical of Jason Garrett and his head coaching tenure at Dallas. But at least that's a guy with nine years or eight and a half, nine years of head coaching experience that can help Joe Judge adjust
1: to being a head coach in the NFL. One hundred percent. That's something that he, that he has
0: at his disposal now. So.
1: Yeah, and again, I think that's key for anybody who's being hired new. In fact, I want the Panthers. Like when I mentioned, like a Wade Phillips, like that's what I'm thinking is somebody who has that experience at the highest level that that somebody new can lean on, you know, in that role. That's 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 extremely important, uh, and so yeah, that that's another situation with the Giants where it's going to depend on a lot of, a lot to me on how the rest of the staff is shaped like who else is on the staff who are the coordinators like what does it look like around Joe Judge but he's such an unknown that it seems it seems strange and I will I will agree with you and Stephen A I think that when you look at a guy you mentioned Jim Caldwell but Eric Bieniemy should be oh, a, he- yeah, a, that's a, a head guy. coach. He should be a head coach. And huge, and not huge and not to business. say yeah. and and not to say that anybody else that got hired or gets hired isn't worthy of being a head coach. I think Matt Rules <laughs> worthy of being a head coach even though I wanted Biamini to be the head coach of Carolina, but Biamini deserves to be a head coach. And at a certain point when like you've passed on a guy for multiple years, it just seems foolish. It just seems like what are we doing? Like this guy is clearly you know had a ton of success in this role. The Andy Reid tree has been fairly successful as well. So like, you know, there's there's all signs point to yes with Eric Bienieme and it's and it's it's curious as to why he hasn't had that job. Now, Cleveland is the only team that has an availability at head coach. Still, uh, they want to have their decision by Saturday. It is said they're they're talking to the DC of the Eagles, Jim Schwartz. Uh, they've they're going to talk to Kevin Stefanski, who they talked to last year. Uh, they've talked to Bienemy. They've talked to McDaniel's. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. But uh, it it will be strange to me if we get out of this coaching cycle, Mitch, and Bienemy didn't get a job.
0: Well, and to. to- maybe Stephen A's point too about the whole Rooney rule being neglected here look at the last cheat the last few chiefs OC's Doug Peterson named Eagles head coach 2016 2018 Matt Nagy named Bears OC or Bears head coach Eric Bieniemy happens to be a black guy and he's getting snubbed on some coaching calls when he's right. ready to go right by the way both Peterson and Nagy led successful Chiefs offenses just like the enemy's doing. So Exactly. Maybe to Stephen A's point, there there's some validity to that argument. Um and I he's got he's gotta get a job somewhere, right? I may, maybe Cleveland. Maybe Cleveland's one of those right. places. But
1: Well, that's the only opportunity he's got this year is Cleveland. If Man, if not, I, I it's another year around. And maybe that's good for him, maybe it's bad, who knows? I mean, and here's the thing. There's like I said, there's probably you know, six to eight guys this year that could probably be solid head coaches, and they all can't get hired because there's only a certain amount of jobs. And that's that's fine. That is what it is. I understand that. But after, like you said, multiple years, and when you look at Andy Reid, offensive coordinators getting hired without experience and obviously having success too i mean peterson has won a super bowl Nagy had a very good year with with chicago his first year i mean i know this year was a struggle but they weren't terrible so like there is a precedent formed there's a precedent for success with that as well so yeah interesting stuff it'll be yeah the staff will be important here with joe judge but and i apologize for not remembering who he is maybe he'll be you know
0: I don't think anyone's going to blame you, so I think you're okay there,
1: bud. All right, let's talk about the last one. This happened, I believe, on Saturday. Mike McCarthy Mm -hmm. has been hired as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys after he had a sleepover with Jerry Jones. And as the saying goes, once you've had a sleepover with Jerry Jones, you just become the head coach. You have no choice. You are just the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys and that is that awkwardly enough, Jason Garrett was part of the day. Like he had to be there when Jerry Jones was like partially interviewing, partially feeling out Mike McCarthy. How awkward is that? Like this dude's about I, to replace you and you have to I've hang heard, out with him for a couple hours. Like I,
0: I read a really weird story today that like Jason Garrett is not accepting the fact that he's been fired as Dallas's head coach. Like he's still hanging around the facility and they're like, and they're telling him like, "Hey, you need you need to leave. You're fired." And he's like, "No, no, 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 no. I'm 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 your guy. What? Look, just give me a few more minutes. Like, I'm your guy." And like he's trying to like buy his way back in, like like a weird clingy ex girlfriend type situation. Huh. Like, it's weird. It's weird. It's it's he needs to just like move on and go interview somewhere else. The Giants are calling you, dude. You need to leave the facility like and I read that I, I tag, actually tagged you something in on Facebook but, uh, about it. And I don't know if there's a what kind of truth there is to that. But that's like the rumor is he's still hanging around the facility like he does like he's got Stockholm syndrome or something like he's not right. he's not ready to go. He's not ready to go for some <laughs> reason.
1: Yeah, it's a strange situation. Uh, that whole firing process of him was weird, but alas they they end up at mike mccarthy mitch and we talked about this on saturday uh and uh i i i didn't expect this kind of hire but when they made it it made way more sense than i thought i thought among other people that they were going to go the splashy route try to get the matt rule try to get a lincoln riley to come try to get an urban meyer try to you know pull big for one of these younger guys or Go for some splashy new hire. Maybe it was even Kellen Moore becoming the head coach. And then in the end, they went with a Super Bowl winning veteran head coach. And right. with the type of roster that they have and the position that they are in in their division. It makes so much sense. They're a win-now team. They're not a rebuild team. It wouldn't make sense to give a guy with no experience this roster. You want to give this roster to a guy who's proven he can win with a good roster and say, don't mess this up like the last guy did. And McCarthy is that guy, like besides Ron Rivera, who already had hired like McCarthy, unless you're going Marvin Lewis, which I know they talked to, which is appalling that they talked to Marvin Lewis and like legitimately, but McCarthy seems like the right kind of hire with the direction they're trying to go. And I don't know why I didn't think of that as a possibility before.
0: Well, yeah. And here's the thing is like everyone associates Mike McCarthy with his last two years in Green Bay. They went 7-9 in 2017, 4-7-1 in 2018 before he was relieved of his duties. This dude has won more games than Sean Payton, has just as many Super Bowl wins as Sean Payton, and somehow we are – and he's led his team to the playoffs nine out of the 14 years that he was there, and somehow we put him below Sean Payton. Like – this guy did a lot with a young Aaron Rodgers, no run game, a struggling defense t- at times, and we we just revert back to the well, what have you done for me lately type conversation. And I think yep. I'd mentioned that last week and and you know, looking back on the numbers, the win totals. Um, he only has was that 4 years, five, well, I guess technically 5, but he was relieved of his duties in 2018. Minus 2018, he only had four years from 06 to 17 where he had less than 10 wins, and he did that with struggling defenses and hardly a run game. So he was putting a lot on Aaron. It was a lot on him and Aaron Rodgers there. Uh, This guy's a he's a good coach and he deserves this this uh, opportunity. Um, I'm excited to see what him and Dak do together. I think that's going to be a good pairing. Uh, He has the solid run game now. He has a good defense. Uh, I think this is. This could t- like I think I really think that the coaching hire in Dallas turns Dallas into a a scary team going into next year if everything falls the way it should. Um if yeah. Jerry Jones keeps his nose out of stuff that he shouldn't have his nose in, then this should be a really scary team going into 2020.
1: Right. Well, and that's the interesting thing about anybody who is going to get hired to to Dallas was how do they function with Jerry Jones because it was so obvious that Jason Garrett was just a yes man for Jerry Jones to control the team. Oh, he was Jerry's bitch. Yeah. So, so if, if, if somebody's going to come in, who, who is that going to be? And what is that relationship going to be like? Mike McCarthy? I I was listening to, uh, I don't remember what podcast it was, but they were talking about this hire. And somebody mentioned that McCarthy has never head coached a team with an owner because the Packers don't have an owner.
0: They're owned by the city, yeah.
1: So, so he's never coached for an owner, and now he has the worst owner of them all—the most involved, the most, you know, persistent of them all. And Jerry Jones, like that, may be a hard adjustment. And I never really thought about it from that angle, but I, it is interesting to think about. And that is the one caveat because with the roster in place and with his experience, and like you said, he's, he wins games. That's what he's done. You know, he has a positive, he has an over 500 record in the postseason. That matters. So, like, because that was been the one fault of Jason Garrett is winning in the postseason. So, when you couple all that together, you're right. I, I, this, this should work. And the one, the one thing that can unhinge it, I, I agree with you. It's what is his relationship with Jerry Jones and how does that affect the team?
0: Right. And, and there's, you know, they've reported this out that, him and Jerry Jones have already had a sit-down and and kind of mapped out what they want to do. And I hope that he kind of stuck up for himself there and said, like, no, this is what I'm going to do here. This they, You gave me this job, and I'm going to do my job here. Um, because G- I think Jerry likes to think that he's, like, a co-head coach at some point. He like thinks I, he is I, the head
1: coach. I mean, and with Jerry yeah. Stingari, he basically was. He's the GM. I mean, he's literally the GM. Jerry Jones, they don't hire a GM because Jerry Jones decides who they sign and who they draft. <laughs> like, so he is, you know? And if
0: like I said, I, and we had talked about this probably about a month ago, if Jerry Jones cares about winning or not.
1: Right. And I had said exactly. no.
0: And he the only reason the only way he could show that he actually cares about winning is firing Jason Garrett and go get a different head coach. He's done that now. Now can he loosen up on the reins a little bit and let the guy do his job. That's going to prove exactly. to me that he actually cares about winning and having a successful franchise. Um and uh, I'm I'm excited to see what they do. I am. I really am.
1: Yeah, no, I like I said, I'm a, I'm a fan of this hire. It makes more sense than I I don't know why I didn't think about this route before, but it makes a lot of sense, and I think it'll be successful for them. I feel good about that. So, as I said earlier, Cleveland, the only spot with an opening. There are multiple guys linked there. I mentioned the interviews they have upcoming. They want to have a decision by Saturday. So, by next week's pod, we should know what the head coaching, you know, what the situations look like. We'll know where Cleveland sits, and uh, and that'll all be figured out. So... Uh, it's it, like, like I said earlier, it just kind of all happened. Like today it was the Panthers and the Giants and within two hours of each other. It was like, wow, that was weird. It <laughs> all I have yeah, happened at once.
0: Definitely. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, Mitch, let's, um, let's move this over to college football a little bit here. Uh, the one bit of news that I wanted to mention here is that Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback from Alabama, held a press conference on Monday announcing he will enter the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, this would be arguably the first pick in the draft had he been healthy. Now, it's a different situation, and uh, it's interesting thing about where he will go. I know in Todd McShay's first mock draft, he had him going number four overall to Miami. Now, Miami's actually drafting at five, but again, to what could potentially be a top five pick. He, I, I think he for sure goes in the first round, but now there's a question of where exactly does he fit uh, uh, into this draft class and into, into this draft in general. So Mitch, um, what do you, what do you, what do you think about Tua? Do you think this is the right decision uh, to forego the senior year? And where do you ultimately think he ends up in the draft?
0: I think it's the right year because if he goes out and he gets hurt again in college, then his draft stock really falls off.
1: Then he's done. Um, then he's not going to get a career, you know? Uh, yeah,
0: I think he's done. So I think you go do this now. Um, and there, there was a lot of talk about, like, he really wants to get his degree, which I think is very admirable and great of him, and I think that everyone should go get their degree if they're in that situation. Um, but he can always go back when his career is over and finish up his degree. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that's in, but, you know, it, you could go do that later. Um, Miami seems like the likely choice for me. I, th- I think that five, um, I think that they're desperate enough for a quarterback right now that they'll go reach on him. I realistically, if the if reaching for a guy wasn't a thing, mid first round seems a little bit more realistic as to like where his value is actually at, where he should go. Um, which that would put him if he was mid mid first round, that would put him Oakland, Indy, Tampa Bay, Denver, Atlanta, bat sort of range. Right. Um, not to say that he couldn't fall to there, but I don't think that those that's those teams. Real priority right now. Maybe Tampa if they want to move on from from Jameis, but um, Miami obviously desperate for a quarterback right now. Uh, I don't think you can really ride Ryan Fitzpatrick for a full another year, or maybe one more year if he's got. I think playing Tua playing behind Ryan Fitzpatrick would be good for him. Um, But I I I like him at number five. It seems early, but it seems like the best fit to me for Tua. and I, I think he's making the right decision by going right now. Um, his younger brother, I think, is at Alabama right now too and is a pretty talented quarterback. And yep. Nick Saban has been known to move on to the next guy pretty quickly. So uh, I, I like his decision to go. I think he's making the right call here.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, You're absolutely right. you got to get your money when you can, and you have to hit your value when it's highest. And he's not going to be – much higher next year. If he played a full healthy season, like he's going to be a top five pick next year. But like you also have Trevor Lawrence in that draft, and people look at Trevor Lawrence like the next Peyton Manning. So, like, yeah, you're still, like, there, there's no guarantee you're going to be first. So, you're looking at a top five pick, which you may very well be a top five pick this year, even with the injury. So, you're absolutely right. There's no, there's not enough value of going back. And like you said, risking injury at that point, you're not making any money. You got to get your money when you can. And that's right now. So, I I respect the two a decision now. As far as where he goes, Mitch, uh, I I I think he goes before five, and I really? think I think a team trades up to get him. Well, I really okay, do so let's, because so you let's have look at, yeah. This is what we're looking at. So Cincinnati at number one, they're taking yeah. Burrow. Yeah, no, or or if they're not, somebody else is trading up to number one to get Burrow. But Burrow's gone at number one. Washington I don't think you let
0: at, go that one pick though.
1: Was I don't think they do either, but yeah. like Burrow's going number one to whoever's there. So Washington's number two, and they don't need a quarterback because they just spent a draft pick on Dwayne Haskins. They're not going to Kyler Murray this. He's not Josh Rosen. Dwayne Haskins looked better in the second half. They're going to invest in him. So that's a spot where they either just take Chase Young and they don't be stupid, or they could potentially move back to a team that wants to move up and get Tua because they feel like it's going to be taken. Three is Detroit. Same situation. They're not going quarterback there. That's a really possible trade-up spot because Chase Young will be gone by then. So will Joe Burrow. And now you're looking at, you know, like who else? You know, maybe somebody moves up to three to get him. Giants the same at number four. Giants don't need a quarterback either. So th- three and four seem like really high possibilities of a team jumping up. Maybe maybe it's, you know, somebody in the late. Top ten, you know, maybe it's uh, – I guess you'd be looking at, like, maybe the Chargers and Panthers at six and seven, but uh, somebody could make a leap from a mid-round and take him. I think that's the highest possibility of him getting drafted. I think he's for sure top five, and I think there's a high possibility somebody trades up to get him at three or four.
0: Okay. I, I Yeah, I could see that. Um, so you think Detroit's probably the highest possibility of those five picks to trade back?
1: Yeah, well, I think I think because, like, or like, it depends on what Detroit feels about whatever player is at the top of their board at number because,
0: three. Because like I know Chase Young is like this coveted defensive piece, right? And they just hired Ron Rivera, a defensive guy. The, go yes. get the go get the stud edge guy. What if they take like Jedrick Wills as an offensive as an offensive lineman piece to protect Dwayne Haskins? Then the Lions and don't trade
1: back and they just take they, like whoever they just like, take Chase Young. I think Chase Young. Like, whatever team passes on him is foolish, except for Cincinnati. Because, like, right. number I, one I, with the need at quarterback, like Joe Burrow, like, that's fine. But, like, it would be like if Nick Bosa fell to three or four last year. Like, that would no, have just been I, clearly a mistake. And I think it's possible, but I think, I'd the, be very and I think,
0: yeah. And I think Chase Young is locked in to the one or two pick. Like, he's exactly. locked in. Like, yeah. where Joe Burrow, though, if let's say since he takes Joe Bur- takes Chase Young, how far does Joe Burrow fall? I and think somebody traded. Does that uh, does that affect Tua us starting to slip now? Because Dolphins have another pick at eighteen, right? If if Joe Burrow is falls, does does Miami go? Okay, maybe we don't have to take Tua here, and they wait till eighteen.
1: Well, where does Joe Burrow fall to? Because there's no way, Mitch. I, I, I feel so I'm, sure I'm, that there's no way he falls out of the top two, maybe three, maybe. No. But that would be some foolishness it would be, if he but fell like, out of the top but
0: three. Li- but like we just said about the quarterback situations there, If if since he takes Chase Young instead of Joe Burrow, like we just said, Washington just drafted Dwayne Haskins.
1: Yeah, they're going to trade up Stafford. to two. No, no, it's, it's not it's not a question of whether the Redskins they, are actually going to pick Joe Burrow. They're not going to pick Joe Burrow, but somebody's going to trade up to number two and say, wow, the Cincinnati be Bengals didn't take... Well, that's going to be a hell of a
0: package but to trade up to two, though. It happens like, every year, Mitch, a,
1: Your Bears traded up to number two.
0: From number three, though. Like, they traded right. up one spot. And if you, look, if you look through the first ten picks... With the exception of Miami, and I guess, well, okay. The Chargers maybe, maybe and the Panthers. Char- Chargers and, and even Panthers even Jacksonville,
1: potentially.
0: Mm, I, I don't know about that. They just spent a bunch of money on Nick Foles, and they seem to like Gardner Minshew just fine.
1: Yeah, but you didn't invest into Gardner Minshew the way that you're going to invest into a top 10
0: pick. You, so, you would now, though, I think.
1: No, not in the top 10. I think you not as a top 10. now. If you if you well, redrafted no 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 I I love Gardner Minshew I'm not trying to take anything away from him but if you redrafted that he's not a sixth round pick obviously but he's probably a second rounder and that's like that's good there's nothing wrong with that but like Gardner no, Minshew's but, not up there with Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones where guys that have got invested top ten pick into them like they're like, this looked, is a whole different situation he looked
0: pretty Daniel Jones esque though I mean he wasn't that far off performance wise from Daniel Jones.
1: I don't think he was bad, and I'm not saying that he wasn't good, but he wasn't top 10 worthy.
0: No, he wasn't a top 10 pick. That, right. No, that's not what so
1: I mean, but. I'm, all I'm saying is that with the kind of year that Jacksonville had, maybe they're the team to make a jump. But you're right. So if someone's moving up to two or three – To move all the way up from, let's say, Indianapolis at 13, like that's you can't move from 13 to two. That's going to take a lot of extra draft picks. And maybe you, I mean, you can, you can do anything, but it's going to cost a lot. So you'd be looking, you're right, it's going to be a Miami, uh, the LA or Carolina, but maybe it's Miami. And maybe Miami says, listen, we think Joe Burrow's the best quarterback here. And we would have been fine with Tua at five. But we have two extra first round picks. And if we package number five, number 18, and a future second, can we move up to two and get Joe Burrow instead? Like, you may feel really happy about that. Maybe that's what they do. I think that I think the Chargers would also be a, a team that says, listen, like, we didn't think we we're going to have a shot at Burrow. All of a sudden, he's available at two, and all we need to do is trade up to get him. Like, I think a team pulls the trigger on that.
0: Well, okay. So maybe a long shot. The Patriots are sitting there at 23. We don't know if Brady's going to be back in New England for sure. And after him is Stidham. Is it Jason? No, no, Brian Stidham? Jared. Jared Stidham. What if they package something together to trade up all the way up to the top and go get a Joe Burrow?
1: Yeah, again, that would be a lot. I'd have to look. I'd love, it would be I need a lot. To look but... back. I need to look back and see, like, what the biggest leap in the first round was. Like, you know, from what pick to the top three did somebody make? You know, it, it's got to be pretty rare outside of the top ten, but 23 would be really tough. They'd be giving up a ton of future draft picks, and the Patriots aren't the type of team to do that. In fact, they hoard draft picks. They always trade back to accumulate more draft picks. So it would be pretty out of the ordinary for them to do. I guess so. But I guess you're right a team there. like the Chargers, who are going into a new stadium having sold just 20,000 season tickets and need something to invigorate a fan base that doesn't exist in L.A., Joe Burrow might be it. And if he becomes available at number two, like, they, just for the, not even for football, but for everything outside of that, they may be a team that says, we need to make this move. You know, we just right. need to do this and, you know, hope it works out. So I would be shocked if he gets past there. But Tua is interesting. I think he goes in the top 10, Mitch. What are the odds that he's a top 10 pick? What do you say?
0: Oh, uh, 70%, 75% chance.
1: Okay, 75 I, I think right. it's
0: pretty good. I think it's pretty good.
1: I'm going to give it I think it's 90 because I would give it 100, but I, I don't want to give it 100. So I'll give it a 90% chance that he goes in the top 10. I'd be pretty surprised. I would also be surprised if Herbert got drafted over Tua. That would be even more surprising. I
0: think, I, think, I honestly think Herbert's going to be a Raider. I really do.
1: Really? So I you mean, think mid round? Yeah. And mid round may be where Herbert goes. I would also not be surprised if he ends up going top 10 and somebody like the Colts maybe or, you know, I don't know who else is. Maybe it's the Raiders, or maybe it's Miami at eighteen because they didn't take a QB. Says, you know what? Like we need to go jump and get this guy, and they jump in at nine or ten or eleven and and, and go get him if he's still available. I yeah, could see maybe him being they... the kind of guy that somebody moves up for because they're because the cliff after. I mean, the cliff after Burrow and Tua is pretty steep, but then after Herbert too. Like then you're looking at like Jordan Love and like Eason and like none of or is it Eason? I think Eason. Yeah. So. Like, and none of those guys are really first-round talents, I don't think, at least for the time being right now. So somebody may jump to get a Herbert if that's the only first-round guy available, you know? Well,
0: and think about it. I mean, Brian Flores is a defensive guy.
1: Derek Brown,
0: defensive lineman out of Auburn's there. What if they take him five, pass on Tua, and then say, no, with 18, we're going to go get Justin Herbert.
1: Right. And the, and the Miami needs – everything at this point so it's not just about quarterback for them it's going to be I think they will be drafting best player available and so yeah you're right that may not be Tua and they may choose to address quarterback with one of the later first round picks that they have so right yeah a lot of things to be done but it'll be interesting to see Tua I'm glad uh he's going to be in the NFL next year and uh I yeah I'm excited to see him because I I I think he's going to be really good and I would be very happy if the Panthers drafted Tua. I'd draft season active. is
0: just draft season is just so much fun. It's just it's the a blast. best, bro. It's the best. like I just love the NFL draft. It's it's the <laughs> most exciting draft I think in in sports. It, it's just fantastic, especially those first two rounds. Like oh, yeah. I mean, the first two days are really really good.
1: Yeah. But. No, it's a spectacle and it's and the NFL has been smart to monetize it and turn oh, it into an event. It great, yeah. And it's it's a great thing. It's going to be in Vegas this year. I'm trying to figure out if I can make it down there cuz I want to be there cuz it's an event and it's so close to me and I'm like I just I can't I don't want to miss this chance cuz the draft it's it's turning into this really fun thing. So I know yeah. you and
0: I've already talked about trying to do a do a pod down there at the draft. That would been a that would be that would be a cool one. Maybe we can make that happen. That'd yeah, be, for sure. But, trip.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's good stuff. Uh just to keep this in college football, real quick, Mitch. Uh Monday night is the national championship game. Number one LSU versus number three Clemson. Uh I know you're not huge into college football, but uh who's your pick in this game? Who do you think is gonna win?
0: <sighs> it's it's hard to deny Joe Burrow and Coach O. Go Tigers as Coach O would say. So, <laughs> I, I, Coach O, he's just the most lovable guy, I think. I mean, the guy's got this crazy man voice. He's, he's fantastic. You know, Go Tigers, beat Clemson. Yeah, I love this guy. <laughs> love that guy. Give me the Tigers, actually. And you know what? Ne- you know, next year getting into it, I, I will I will say we got to get more into college football because that is just a blast. We, we don't cover it enough. I love watching college football. We should uh, definitely get more into that. But give me uh, – Give me LSU in this one.
1: All right. Yeah, I am. I'm actually going to go Clemson here. I was very impressed with their win over Ohio State, and particularly with Trevor Lawrence. He was fantastic. He Uh, put that whole team on his back and said, we're winning this game, and he won it. And that kind of guy can win any game, even against this LSU team, which is fantastic. And the Clemson team was underrated all year, I thought. People talked about their schedule, and they didn't play anybody. Uh, But when they needed to, they showed up and they beat Ohio State, who a lot of people thought should be number one. So, you know, they beat a really good team and they're going to be playing another really good team. But I don't think the gap between these two teams is is that much at all and i think clemson ultimately because of the experience i mean lawrence has been here already Dabo sweeney i mean they've been here so many times like the pedigree of the program i think prevails uh on monday so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go uh the other tigers the orange tigers mitch
0: all right sounds good i'll, I'll take the <laughs> bayou Bengals on this one so.
1: the bayou Bengals, mitch last bit of news here uh a little bit somber here but uh Former uh, NBA commissioner David Stern passed away uh, this week. He was not only commissioner for an extremely long time, but was involved in some of the biggest changes in the NBA, really spearheaded a lot of positive things. Uh, I will always hate him for denying the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers. Uh, Rest in peace, but I can never forgive you for that. But he will be missed, uh, and it, it it was cool to see when it happened the response from player former players former coaches media members talking about their experiences with david stern talking about his legacy his influence on them and the sport as a whole and i thought it was really beautiful and what a way to go out you know with people remembering all those positive things about you made me realize what what kind of impact he had as a commissioner and uh i really i really appreciated that yeah
0: he uh he had a very positive impact on the sport um, and I think did a great job mentoring guys like Adam Silver to, to who eventually uh, succeeded him uh, once he left the commissioner's seat. Uh, it, it, the guy just had an amazing impact on the sport. Like you said, all he did all the bright things. Um, I mean, obviously those things don't come without controversy. Of course, there was the, the relocation of the supersonics. It was, it was a big deal uh, that he was kind of involved in uh, moving them from what was it the, the 14th largest market in the co- in the country to the 45th largest market in the country was questionable but it seems like it, it has worked out it has worked out he's even he's you know he's t- he took risks as commissioner um and did it for the betterment of the league uh the guy was nothing but a positive impact for the league um and uh yeah he's going to be severely missed um in in the not just the basketball community but the the sports world as a whole um very very uh very important figure in sports but for sure
1: yeah no 100 percent. uh yeah affected a lot of change and really grew the nba to what we know it as today and adam silvers i think has done a fantastic job of furthering that work and continuing and growing beyond what david stern did but really the nba that we know it today is a result of david stern and the nba is great so i appreciate him for that and uh Look forward to the future and his influence over this league. So,
0: yeah, I mean, he took it from a from a from a kind of a niche type sport to a to a global type sport. Um, it was it was exactly. really incredible what he did. So,
1: yeah, no, hundred percent. All right, Mitch, that is it for the news. Yeah, shall That's we? It. Uh, shall we get into our little bit of little bitty segments today? Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? You go for it, man. Let's go. Let's okay, go for it. I'll go first. It's time uh, It's time again, guys, for a daddy's favorite. You're not my dad! The first daddy's favorite of the new year, of the new decade. And uh, this one is a good one, guys. My daddy's favorite this week is Bald Mamba himself, Alex Caruso. Now, the casual NBA fan has no idea who this person is. Mitch, do you even know who this is?
0: No, he sounds like he should be a producer or like a sound guy for the show Survivor. That you that's don't know
1: like. who the Bald Mamba is. No
0: idea who Alex Caruso is.
1: Everybody, if he you don't know who author. he is, pause the, pause the pause the pause the podcast. If you don't know, Google Alex Caruso. Get an idea of what he looks like, and then come back. The Bald Mamba played at Texas A and M, and he started, I think, in the G League for the Lakers. He was drafted by the Lakers or undrafted, but signed with the Lakers. Uh, kind of worked his way through the G League through the bench and has become a, a solid rotation player for the Lakers. Uh, he is he he kind of took on this meme, you know, status last year for the for the Lakers. Uh, especially once LeBron was out and the season kind of went in the tank, he got a lot of minutes and had some big dunks and just everyone just took upon themselves to you know say that Alex Caruso is the goat. And there's tons of Alex Caruso goat memes. People. Photoshop his face onto Michael Jordan or like Kobe Bryant, like constantly. Uh, How how old is this guy? He's like mid twenties, Mitch. He's like our age. He looks 50. He's the bald Mamba, you know, black Mamba. For those who don't know Kobe Bryant, that's his nickname. He's the bald Mamba. He's, he is the people don't realize that the Lakers have a big three this year. It's Anthony Davis, LeBron James and Alex Caruso, the bald Mamba. So anyway, so that now that you know who Alex Caruso is, the uh the all-star voting begun, and the first wave of results came back from the fan voting, Mitch. And guess who showed up at number eight on the Western Conference Guards list with ninety-two thousand votes? <laughs> Alex, Alex Caruso? freaking Caruso. Ninety-two thousand votes. Mitch, he has more votes than Devin Booker and Ja Morant.
0: Oh my god.
1: That, He's averaging five point six a game. That, that's that's what I'm saying. The meme status of Alex Caruso has catapulted him to eighth in All Star voting, not to be undone by. And another credit too goes to Taco Fall. Everybody knows whose Taco Fall is, who has played I think thirteen minutes in the NBA this year for the Celtics and received hundred and ten votes. He hundred sorry excuse me hundred ten thousand votes. He is sixth in the front court for the Eastern Conference ahead of guys like Bam Adebayo, Gordon Hayward, Andre Drummond, and DeMontis Sabonis. So Taco Fall having his own little meme-worthy uh, entrance on the All-Star voting. But Alex Caruso, man, the bald mamba showing up in All-Star voting, I loved it. I thought it was great. He's daddy's favorite this week.
0: I mean, I love it. But this, this raises the question of, like, the validity of the all-star game in the end in the nba it's no longer meaning anything when you have guys that have played 13 minutes total throughout the year and they're getting six over bam out of bio who's had a who's had a pretty solid year um it's becoming a circus to me it's becoming a circus this whole all-star game thing in the nba um and it's honestly i mean i'm i'm glad he's your daddy's favorite and everything but that's a little insulting to the performance of the guys that are actually performing well.
1: Well, so here's what Don't you the thing. think? It, well, so the van the fan voting does not count for everything. Now, I think it counts for too much of the voting. And ultimately, Alex Caruso is not making the All-Star team whether he had a 2 billion votes or not. Like the NBA just wouldn't put a guy like that in the All-Star game cuz he obviously doesn't deserve to be there. But I think it's funny that the NBA thinks they can open this up to fans and like this isn't going to be the results they get. Like, if you open up for people on the internet to vote for stuff, then Taco Fall and Alex Caruso are going to be the guys that make your all-star team. Because that's what the internet does. So, the fact that the NBA thinks that they should open it up to fans online to vote is just preposterous as it is. If you're going to do it, make it 10%, not, I think, 25 which is what it is right now. And make it well, 10%, you know?
0: The problem I have is, like, the voting for like the, for, like, the Pro Bowl, at least they get the right guys in, you know? And – isn't that that's a that's a pretty high percentage of fan voting, isn't it?
1: I think it's similar to the NBA. I'm sure.
0: Okay, I mean at least they get the right guys in. I don't know that
1: it sticks in my craw a little bit.
0: I got I don't know. Maybe I'm just being an old man like I usually am on here. Yeah, you
1: know? the thing is, is the NBA online All Star voting should just not be taken seriously. I think that's kind of the point because it doesn't hold weight in the end. It, like, it doesn't mean anything. And I think it's funny that, one, the NBA pretends like it means something. Because if it really did mean something, then if Alex Caruso gets 2 million votes and leads the West, then they'd have to put him in the All-Star Game. And I'm like, like I said, like, they just wouldn't do that. So obviously they don't take it seriously. Here's so if fans you want this. to vote in Taco Fall, then, like, why not? If the NBA is going to challenge you and basically say, call our bluff, then call their bluff and make them decide whether they're going to put Taco Fall in the All-Star Game or not.
0: Well like okay so here's how we could fix this because so NASCAR does an All-Star race every year, right? And it's and it's kind of a little bit they have a uh, they have a race where you race your way in and then they have like an elimination race and then top I think it's top 24 finishers get into the final the main event, the final right. segment is what they call. Of those starters though, they have one fan vote in. Where the fans actually vote one driver in to the final segment and then they get to see this guy race. Do it like that. Have everyone else get in on merit, but then if you want the fan involvement here, have them vote for one guy for East and West to get in and and represent, or I guess it would be it's not, it's not East and West anymore. It's They have team captains. Or do they go back yeah, to East and West? Right,
1: right. Well, no, no. The same – you have to – you know, it's still 12 players from the East, 12 players from the West, but ultimately those guys get drafted onto okay. separate teams. Well, then, but but you're right. And then have that's one major, guy in, you know. That's what that's what the MLB does. That's what Major yeah. League Baseball does is they do their all-star voting, and then they say, here are the last – these are the, the the three most votes that didn't make it. You get to vote one of them in. I think that's I think great. That's a great format. I think I think that's great. And I'm there with you. You need to you need to cut the weight of the fan vote from twenty five to like I said, like ten percent. And then in the end, you need to give us here's the thirteenth spot, and you get to vote in the thirteenth guy. And here are options. You can't just vote in whoever you want, but like Russell Westbrook and Devin Booker and uh, you know, and Lamarcus Aldridge are the three left. Like you get to vote one of those guys in. Like something like that. I'm I'm totally cool with that. Totally cool with that. I agree. Because then the fan vote matters, but you control it. When you don't control it, again, this is what happens, is it's just memes. And I think it's great because the NBA wants to pretend like it's serious, but uh, it's not. (laughs) And the fans know that. So, Right. right. Yeah. So that's my daddy's favorite. Mitch, I'm going to let you go ahead.
0: Okay. So we're going to try a new segment here, Dallin. You ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So I was going to do a top five list this week, and... We haven't done one in a while, but th- this was an idea me and Dale had been throwing around for a while, and, and I decided let's let's jump on it and maybe do it as a substitute for when I don't have a top five ready for you. Because I, let's be honest the top the top five Mitch most top five list of the week is a is a coveted time honored tradition here on the show. You just <laughs> I just don't want to give you garbage. I'm not going to give you garbage. That's fair. That's fair. I want to make sure they're done right. But I think this would be a lot of fun to do. So let's do story time with Mitch Mo. Let's do story time with Mitch Mo. I'm going to give you obscure sports stories that maybe you don't know, maybe you've never heard of, or you've maybe heard mentioned before, but you don't know a whole lot about. And so, Dallin, you ready for a story time with Mitch Mo? I am ready for story time. Okay. Well, this one's not so much a story, but I'm introducing you to a brand new sport that i don't think you knew existed this is called ferret legging
1: you ever heard of it i mitch i've definitely okay. not
0: well <laughs> it's, it's not. Um, ferret,
1: wait say it again ferret legging ferret legging like a like yes. legging like the pants like legging the, like the pants and ferret. it's
0: exactly what it sounds like ferret legging is a sport played in yorkshire united kingdom where competitors try to keep two ferrets down their pants for the longest amount of time. <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> they this literally real? take two ferrets. Did you confirm damn- that this is real? This is real. This is a real thing. <laughs> Ferret legging. They take two ferrets, stuff them down their pants, and then it's like, hey, how long can you? How long can you last? The world record is five hours and thirty minutes. Wait, five f- hours? Five hours and 30 minutes with two ferrets down some person's pants.
1: What? Who's doing this? Uh,
0: dude, the are Brits you, are wild, man. The are Brits sure, are wild. I don't know if we sure have any British this, listeners, but it's,
1: it's they're wild, man. Are you sure this is real, Mitch? I'm positive this is real. Are you sure this isn't, like, from the Simpsons or something? No. Ferret legging
0: is an actual thing. Wow. Uh, two ferrets, one in each hand. Five boom, hours. Down the pants. I'm worried about the damage they could do between the two legs.
1: Like, what about I'm the ferrets, about, bro? Like, those ferrets are stuck in a pair of pants for like hours on end. Aren't so they hostile with each other? Aren't they
0: hostile? They're like, if they get into a fight down there, like they get in some <laughs> turf
1: wars. <laughs> we're in some serious problem. <laughs> That's the guy that only lasts here. fifteen minutes with the ferrets in his pants because they started fighting and he was like, "I'm out." Fifteen guy, minutes. I
0: wouldn't do twenty. Four seconds. Four seconds with two ferrets down my pants. Are you kidding me? I want those bastards out of there. No way.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: No way. I,
1: do yeah, we try ferretly. this now? Is this what we do? Do we have to go figure out how to purchase ferrets and have a competition? I don't think our
0: significant others would approve of that. I don't want to do I, this. What? Mitch, wow. Even if we wanted to, I don't think our significant others would approve of us putting ferrets down our pants
1: wow ferret legging, mitch it's a little richard gearish if you ask me with the whole gerbil thing so it's it's, a little strange it's a lot i'm not no it's a lot strange i take that back immediately it's very it's very strange it's definitely
0: the weirdest thing i i I, it was so i I clicked on this link of like weird Uh sports that's
1: the the stories should never start with i clicked on this link
0: I went down a wormhole, man. <laughs> I went down a weird sports wormhole. Like bathtub racing, uh, camel wrestling, shin kicking, worm charming. Worm, worm- charming? Worm charming is an are actual charming thing. charming earthworms? They tried to bring as many worms to the surface of the earth as possible in a fixed amount of time.
1: What? <laughs> what are they just yelling at them? Like, Get, Get up, up here! Up
0: here. <laughs> Get your ass out here! What?
1: <laughs> Oh my goodness. Mitch, these wife are, all fake. Hey, these are all fake. I don't believe the words you're saying. These are all fake. I don't believe you. Nothing no, you've there, said is real.
0: Here's one here's one you could do wife carrying. <laughs> wife carrying. Yeah, it, it happens in Finland. Teams wow. of two, obviously the husband and the wife, and then you have to race the other person and, and carry your wife across the finish line first, and the winner gets their wife's weight in beer.
1: So <laughs> wow yeah wow okay guess what i i know what i'm doing next year new year's resolution learn a new sport
0: yeah it's <laughs> it's so we're gonna revisit it i'm gonna bookmark this i would much,
1: much rather somebody's. do wife carrying than ferret legging
0: i i would too i would Seems that, much more pleasant yeah that or <laughs> bathtub racing definitely for
1: wow sure. so that's that's all real mitch because i really don't believe you but maybe you you'll just send me up. links
0: Look it up. Oh yeah. I'm
1: not clicking on li- well, maybe I shouldn't click on your links. That sounds sketchy. I don't know, man. Oh I don't come know. on, Either I'm not way- that sketch. Either way. I would be I would wow.
0: be I what would a be a little skeptical about Googling ferret legging. Like let's just be like I take I, I don't want to Safe search don't. on. <laughs> yeah, turn yeah, turn
1: incognito mode on for that one. You don't want a trace <laughs> of that. You don't want your yeah, boss no. finding out what you're Google.
0: No. None of that. That can <laughs> oh, get you a real problem. Wow. All right. Um, let's move on to the second one. Oh, which, there's more. This one is... Oh, yeah. There's three. We got three. Oh. All right. On to our second story. This one is called Chitty for Chitty. And there is Harry Chitty. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. He was a catcher for the Cleveland Indians in 1962. Um, and he was traded to the New York Mets for a player to be named later. So, the way this... These types of trades work in baseball is if you do a trade where it's a a, a player to be named later or a PTNL right um <clears throat> trade is that you pretty much pick the player you want to trade to them later after pretty pretty much after the trade's been finalized. Well, it was a straight up trade, Harry Chitty was traded for just a player to be named later to the New York Mets. Well, he goes to the Mets, and through 43 plate appearances, he bats 195. His slash line goes like this, 195, 233, 220. Okay. Pretty poor performance. Right. So the Mets decided, well, yeah, he's not really working out for us at all. So they decided that their player to be named later was going to be Harry Chitty and traded him back to the Indians. (laughs) Wait, no way. You can do that? Harry Chitty was literally traded for himself. For his future self. Wow. (laughs) Like, that's got to feel pretty chitty. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, Mitch. Wow. That was a good pun. Uh, yeah, Yeah, like, he literally, like, he didn't pan out, and the Mets were like, oh, well, you're not really what we thought we were getting, so we'll just make the player to be named later you, <laughs> and we're going to send you back to Cleveland.
1: Man, Cleveland must have been so mad. Are you serious? We, uh, we he tried to get rid of this guy too. for a reason, and you just send him right back. But, like, of all places to be sent back to, Cleveland, <laughs> of all places. You weren't sent back to Miami. No one's complaining <laughs> about that.
0: Yeah, you're sent back to Cleveland, of all places.
1: <laughs> Oh man. Poor Harry wow. Chitty. Traded yeah. for himself. That's nuts.
0: Traded for himself. It was I feel bad for the dude, man. That's incredible. Um he actually went on to be a sheriff's deputy uh, after his professional baseball career. So uh Oh. Maybe he could stop further crimes like this from happening. So
1: Do you think he was uh do you want you think he was a shitty cop?
0: I think he was a chitty cop, yeah. yeah. I think he was a
1: chitty cop. <laughs> so stupid all right move it on what's, what's all the, right. the next story before i make some more stupid jokes so for our last
0: story let's go to the story of eddie goodell this took place on august 19th 1951 the st louis browns yes that used to be a baseball team the st louis browns by president bill veck owned by president bill Vec, uh decided to pull a little stunt in order to uh to draw in some more fans, to get some fans excited about coming to St. Louis Browns games. Uh, Bill Veck, by the way, notorious throughout his career. Uh, he was a part of the Cubs organization for a long time. He was part of the Philadelphia A's organization. Uh, known for pulling stunts. In fact, I'm pretty sure, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, he is responsible for the 10-cent beer night. Um, I forget who he was uh, in charge of at that time. But it turned into be just a drunken riot that came onto the field because beers were ten cents that night, wow. and uh, <laughs> it, it turned into an all out riot. But this was one of his publicity stunts that he tried to do. Uh, he would have been a great circus guy, um, uh, but he was a bas- he was a baseball executive. The highest
1: of compliments for anybody. He'd have been yes. great in the circus.
0: This night, August nineteenth, nineteen fifty one, he decided to send out three foot seven Eddie Goodell for an at bat. So he actually legitimately picked a little person to go up to bat to as a publicity stunt. Nowadays, that would just be we would be in shock and just mortified by by the idea of this. But right. this is the 1950s, and everyone got away with everything back then. His number was one eighth. Wow! No way! Are you serious? <laughs> I'm dead serious. Wow! And he was giving—he was a 26-year-old. 26-year-old uh, at the time, um, and he was told specifically by Bilvek not to swing at a single pitch. Like he said, you're just up there to hold a bat and get the fans more involved, which is a sick publicity stunt now today by by today's standards. Um, they threw four pit they threw four pitches and he drew a walk. Um, and then. Uh, and they were all high, naturally. I mean, there, there wasn't a single pitch that so was miss low. Um, so, yeah, Tigers left-hander Bob Kane walks him on four pitches. He was replaced by a pinch runner. Um, and Goodell said after the game, for a minute, I felt like Babe Ruth, which is kind of a heartwarming thing there. Oh, um, <laughs> that's so but, sweet. Uh, it was. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, he, he – uh, yeah, Eddie Goodell. Never wow. appeared in another baseball game. Um, and he was the last little person to play major league baseball, except for Jose Altuve. Um. <laughs> true,
1: very true. But well, yeah, well there you go. There's story time with Mitchmo. There, there we go. I, Mitch, I'm a fan of story time with Mitchmo. This is great.
0: Yeah. Let's uh, let's maybe keep it rolling
1: here. Big fan of this. Yeah, we'll we'll continue this in the future. I I like this. I love stories like this, man. That's, yeah, this is great. This is great stuff. This is great stuff. We're gonna keep this going. So. Uh, all right, guys, let's take a quick break, Mitch, and then on the other side we can recap the wildcard weekend, the NFL, and then give some divisional round predictions. How does that sound?
0: Sounds great to me, man. Let's, uh, let's take this quick break and stick around and we'll be right back.
1: Thank you guys for listening to the Sports Hour today. Be sure, if you haven't already, to follow our socials you can find us on Twitter at Sports Hour Guys, Instagram at The Sports Hour Guys, and you can like our Facebook page. Be sure to follow those socials, interact with us. We want to hear from you. Now back to the show. Welcome back.
0: We're on the other side of the break, and we're going to be recapping some Wild Card Round games here. Wild, Wild Card Round. Hence the name, Wild Card, because we had some wild finishes last week. Let's start with the early game on Saturday, Texans-Bills. Uh, one of the better games of the weekend, in my opinion. Uh, this one went to OT, Texans prevailing, 22-19. Um, this led to a lot of uh, yelling in my girlfriend's kitchen while this game was going on. Um what do you I mean what do we take away from this game what I take away from it is that Buffalo blew a lead and should have deserved they deserved to win this game and they blew the lead late and Josh Allen played well I mean 24 46 264 uh ran the ball really well nine for 92 Devlin Singletary was 13 for 58 that's four and a half a carry ran the ball well but, I mean, what's the main takeaway from this? Did the right team win this game? Was it a blo- Was it a blown game? Was it an I- inevitable that Houston would eventually come back? What do you take away from this?
1: Uh, Mitch, that's a great question. I don't know. Part of me feels like Buffalo is the better team. And it just seemed like Houston just didn't want to win this game until it got to the point where somebody had to win it and Deshaun Watson was like, fine, I guess I'll win it. And then he went out and won it. Like, it just felt like Buffalo had that lead, but they didn't play like they wanted to win that game. And the Texans weren't really doing much either until Deshaun Watson woke up and decided to put the team on his back. Josh Allen had good moments, but he's so inconsistent. I mean, the inexplicable lateral to like the third string tight end. Like, what the hell was that? Like, I watched that and I was like, I've literally seen that in Pop Warner football. Like, what is this? Like, you cannot be making those kind of plays. Like, this is the NFL playoffs. Like, this is the biggest stage. You can't be doing that. So, like, the fact that, you know, like, again, both teams didn't want to win this game. And ultimately, Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans didn't win this game. Deshaun Watson won this game. So, congrats to Deshaun Watson on the win. But this team is not going to compete with the Kansas City Chiefs next week. I will just say that now. The, 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 neither neither team impressed enough to give any confidence next week against the Chiefs, who are a very good team. And the Texans aren't just going to have a shot, but I don't know who won, and I don't know who All I know, well, I know Deshaun Watson won, but I don't think either team won.
0: <laughs> this game, to me, felt like the same narrative that a lot of Seattle Seahawks games wind up, where they, it gets to the end of the game, and then they... Like Seattle gets to the end of the game, they're down one score, and they go, "Oh crap, we need to score points." Russell Wilson, go win this for us. Exactly. And it felt that way with Houston, and Deshaun Watson. It was like Houston, like all of a sudden, woke up in the fourth quarter and decided, "Oh, oh crap, we got to win this game." Deshaun, go do this for us. Go get this mm-hmm. done. And he he did take control in, the, in those last couple drives and and really uh, orchestrated a good comeback. But man, the better team did not win in this game. The better team did not win this game. If Buffalo is playing Kansas City next week, that's a much closer game than Houston I, playing Kansas City this week.
1: See, I disagree. I I don't really. think either team. I don't think either team's competitive against Kansas City. I think Kansas City and the Ravens are by far the top, the two best teams in the AFC. Even if the Patriots I, I, make it through, I feel I'm not, that. I'm not way, saying but Buffalo. I'm not saying Buffalo wins if they
0: play. If no, they're playing no, the no, and this I, year,
1: but I'm not suggesting you are. But I don't. I don't know if it'd be. I think the Texans will be closer than the Bills would be. You think so? Yeah, because the Texans, even are the with type of team that that could that could at least put up points in a shootout. But the Bills can't. The Bills can't put up points, and they're not going to shut down the Kansas City Chiefs. Like Kansas City is going to score twenty four. But like, I think that defense, the could not, they slow them down. In- was that, I, I just don't, I just don't. I think Texans compete better against the chiefs because they can also put up a ton of points. And so you may get a game that ends up 40 to 30 and it looks closer than it actually was. Cause the Texans scored a lot of points, but ultimately like they weren't really that close. That's kind of how I see it going for next week. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I like, but again, even if the bills win this game, like you're not impressed. Right. No, I mean, no. The,
0: the bills are still a ways away, and I'm not impressed by Houston at all. So, yeah, but I haven't been up... impressed by Houston since like week six of the season. Like I haven't right. they, they haven't impressed me at all, and rightfully so. They've been pretty pedestrian. I mean, right. they they were just lucky that the rest of the rest of the division wasn't all that great. I mean, yeah. Well, and and if, besides if the few Titans things go who... Tennessee. Yeah, if a few things go Tennessee's way, Tennessee maybe maybe wins that division. You right. Know, it's it, this is a. This is going to be a lopsided next game. The, this this Chiefs Texans game is going to be pretty lopsided. I think I, I it was set I up agree. that way from the beginning. I, I agree. You're well, right.
1: spe- speaking of the Titans, Mitch, let, let's move to that that evening Saturday night game, which was Titans at Patriots, and the beautiful glory of the Lord in the in the year of our Lord twenty twenty. Jesus has blessed us, and the Patriots lost. And Mitch. The Patriots are not going to win the Super Bowl this year. They're not going to the Super Bowl. They're not going anywhere close to the Super Bowl and I could not be happier.
0: I'm just marking this down down as January 4th, the year of our Lord 2020, year of our Lord 2020. The day that the New England Patriots didn't get past the wild card round. It was it was maybe not the best game of the weekend, but my favorite game. Your favorite because- outcome, right? That's, my, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> my favorite outcome. What was my favorite game, but it was my favorite outcome. Um, look, I mean, and, you know, we, Ryan Tannehill threw the ball 15 times the whole game. The story of this game really was Derrick Henry. Oh, and what a story he was. 34 touches, 182 yards, and a touchdown. Five and a half yards a carry. Ryan Tannehill only threw for 72 yards. And I mean
1: it, <laughs> is Derrick Henry a top 5 running back in the league right now? Well, here's here's my question Mitch, what year is it? Are we sure this is 2020? because i thought quarterbacks and, and passing the ball was all the rage i didn't know you could win in 2020 in the playoffs with a with, with just just a bell cow give the guy the ball 35 times and grind out a win i thought is this night what, what century are we in i love this type of football too like
0: this is my favorite type <laughs> of football no one told mike Vrabel it's 2020 right? <laughs> he has someone, no idea the, mike Vrabel's like oh cool it's 1989 all right cool exactly <laughs> Right, where's OJ? I'm just handing, i just gonna hand the ball. Oh yeah, you know? just give it to Roger Craig thirty times a game. Right. Cool. All right. No one, don't no, no one told him it was 2020 and your quarterback's supposed to throw the ball 35 times a game. And I love it. This is what this is what is making this playoff so much fun. Is we have a team that is making an old style work for him. Right. And Derrick Henry has been durable all year long. He's proving to be the most durable back in football right now because of his workload. Um, this is a guy that I really think could take 300 touches a year on the ground. No problem. And, and if you say 300 touches on the ground, no problem to someone, they think you're nuts. They think you're crazy right now, but Derek Henry could be that guy. And for me, he's a top five running back in the NFL, purely based on that purely based on his durability and his ability to just grind out yards, grind out yards. I mean, obviously, you know, when you, because everything's so centered about fantasy football nowadays. Is he a attractive fantasy option? No, no, of course he's not, because he's a traditional running back. But he's one of the most effective guys in the game because he can he can use this style of football to his advantage. And that's his style of football. Grind it out. Derrick Henry is an absolute monster. He was the story of this game. He was the reason they won this game.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think what's most impressive about this to me, Mitch, this is why I love the playoffs, the NFL regular season. And I'm going to say this and I, I may sound ridiculous, but it is true. The regular season doesn't matter because come playoff time, it's a whole different sport. And it's about getting the best players on your team, the ball. As much as you can, and giving them the opportunity to win. Winning in the regular season looks different than than the postseason. You can't win like this in 2019 in the regular season and make the playoffs. If if the if the Titans were to but take they did. this approach, no, they didn't. I mean, this is what Tannehill was lighting lighting it up for the whole season. I mean, his passing numbers were insane. They were throwing the ball like crazy in the regular season. But they go into Foxborough, and the game plan dictates give Derrick Henry the ball and give it to your best player and just let him lead your team. And Vrabel made the right choice with that. And it goes to show that... In the playoffs, it's about head coaches, and it's about their ability to give their best players the opportunity to win the game. And that's exactly what the Titans did with Derrick Henry. He's their best offensive weapon. They said, we're going to let you win this game for us, and he did. And I think that's what's so cool about the playoffs is because this wouldn't work over 16 games in the NFL in 2019, but it works in the playoffs when it matters and when you use it at the right time. And I thought I, it was brilliant. So, yeah, I I would say that I wouldn't say that the regular season doesn't matter
0: because this is the, this is the type of format that takes the fewest amount
1: of teams to the playoffs. So sure. I it, guess what I'm does saying matter. is, the the type of play that we talk about in the regular it season it changes it changes when you it, get to it's it, a, it's a whole different game in the it post changes
0: season. when you get to the playoffs hundred percent absolutely yeah no maybe it
1: maybe it doesn't matter is it fair that, but I, and, and we but, see but that but look at the see, Super Bowl look at the Super Bowl last year Mitch ten to three that was the Super Bowl Thirteen. yeah. 13-3, excuse me, and we saw Patrick Mahomes throw for 50 touchdowns and all this offense and all this, the Rams and, and Mahomes and all this, wow, everyone's scoring, and we had the great, you know, Monday night game, and and, and what does it come down to? 13-3 and three and just defensive scheme, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a whole different game, and that's why I respected the Titans so much uh, for this win against the Patriots. He was coached. Belichick was outcoached, and, and that doesn't happen very often. He was out coached, but I'm also going to give Bill
0: Belichick credit. This proves that he is the best. I would say, uh, maybe not the best, but one of the best of all time of grooming future head coaches. He's been pretty good. Because I mean, he's had some misses,
1: for sure. I mean, some of the guys haven't been good, but.
0: Sure, yeah, but I mean, yeah, because you've got guys like Mike Holmgren and Bill Walsh and Andy Reid who have groomed great head coaches. But for Mike Fable to go in, know exactly what New England's going to do exploit that exploit that weakness that they're going to have and not only that use Bill Belichick's own loophole against him right with the whole not even snapping a bu- not even running a play for literally a minute and 46 seconds of game time knowing that loophole and taking the penalties because they know they're going to punt right and taking the penalties and knowing the loophole behind it it's it's genius Right. I mean, he was 100%. really out-coached here. He yeah. was really out-coached and he was out-coached by his own doing. That's the that's the brilliance of Bill Belichick. He is so he beat good him the at the Belichick teaching. way. Yeah. That's the brilliance of Bill Belichick right there. It's, he's so smart he can actually get beat by his own way because he's or he's so good
1: at grooming <laughs> that, future head coaches. <laughs> that is kind of meta. That's kind of like that kind of gets you yeah, there. Yeah. It's
0: it's it's weird to think about but like he's so good at grooming head coaches that those head coaches can
1: beat him at his own game. That, that's kind of like uh, you know hits blunt once, and then is like Bill Belichick is the only guy that could beat himself. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> really. I mean, <laughs> like it's
0: think like... about it. Bill Belichick beat Bill Belichick this weekend oh because he did such a good job at grooming Mike Frabel.
1: Oh I don't want to I mean, discredit Frabel because he did fantastic. It is interesting, Mitch, and, uh, I mean, ultimately, it's it's a celebration because the Patriots aren't in anymore, and there are obviously tons of questions about the future there. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, what do they do? I, I'm going to be honest, Mitch, I don't really want to get into this a ton because there are just so many things that could happen, and we have no idea. I mean, we've thought Brady was done for how many years? so why is it this finally the year because they lost in the wild card i'm not convinced i'm gonna wait till i hear things before i formulate a conclusion on maybe what they even should do well that's my he'll, opinion
0: he'll be a charger next year so you think the,
1: he goes and you think he goes to la i think he goes to yeah i would be shocked if i saw him on another team i'm gonna be honest yeah i, th- I think that's most Bye. people's standpoint but yeah, the Chargers
0: make a lot of sense to me, but that's it a could. conversation for another time.
1: They so. very they very much could, so uh, yeah. But it's great, and and you know what, Tennessee—that's a tough draw for the Ravens. I know they're the sixth seed, but like, they're they may be one of the hottest teams in, in the league going into the playoffs, and then they just beat the Super Bowl champs. I mean, I if I I, I don't feel like this Tennessee team is afraid at all, and I think Ra- the Ravens are gonna have. Uh, a challenge. They're going to have a real challenge on on, uh, uh, this weekend.
0: I'm totally, I'm totally on board with you there. I said before the playoffs, that I wouldn't want to see the bills in the playoffs because I thought that that was a scary team. I don't want to see the Titans in the, in the, in the playoffs at all. And I I really don't want to see this next team. We're going to talk about, which is Minnesota. Yes. Minnesota and New Orleans. Yeah. And you know, Final score 26 20. Minnesota takes it. OT. They go down and get the touchdown. Obviously, they have the, the uh controversial OPI call with Kyle Rudolph. The, the OPI no call, by the way. Right. Um with Kyle Rudolph. But I gotta say that this was something that I think no one saw coming because New Orleans made 13 and 3 look awfully easy. It's not that they had a really easy schedule. But it's like they made 13 and 3 look too easy. And so we overestimated the Saints going into it and then underestimated the the Vikings and discredited the division that they were playing in. I mean, they played in a tough ass division, right? You you got Green Bay, 13 and 3 won the division, Chicago who was 8 and 8 but still had a very sound defense. And then then I mean, then you got the Lions, but then even outside of the division, they play a fairly decent schedule. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Minnesota is another team I don't want to see going into the playoffs. Like I, if if I were
1: whoever they're playing this week, I didn't even see. But oh, the Vikings are playing the Niners. Niners. Vikings will be at the number one seed.
0: Right. That's a team I don't I don't want to run into right now, especially with with that guy at the helm, Mike Zimmer. That guy is full in, believes in this team, and is a hell of a leader. I don't think I want to see the Vikings in the next round.
1: Yeah, Minnesota, Minnesota, is fascinating Mitch cuz you mentioned it, the Saints at 13 and 3, but I mean, I there are people that believed that the Saints were not only the best team in the NFC but the best team in the league. I mean, some people thought they'd win the Super Bowl and even though they had to go to the wild card round, I mean, I think if it's Saints uh, they'd be taken on Green Bay next week. I think a lot of people would pick New Orleans, and then if you put New Orleans against San Francisco, I think a lot of people would pick New Orleans still. So I mean, like this was a Super Bowl destined team potentially, and Minnesota and Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings go into the Mercedes Benz Superdome and beat the Saints in overtime. It was incredible, and I I, I I'm I'm so happy for Kirk Cousins because he gets shit on more than any above average to good to great quarterback in the NFL. Nobody gets shit on more than Kirk Cousins undeservedly. And I know he's not great. Maybe he's not even top 10. I think you could argue this year he's a top 10 quarterback. But no matter what you feel about him, that was that was big. And he played well, and he got his team a win. And that pass to Thielen to set up the first and goal in three was fantastic and then he put that ball to Kyle Rudolph in the right spot and he got the ball and they won so Kirk Kirk Cousins deserves a ton of credit and I'm happy that he's got this monkey off his back of he can't beat good teams and he can't win on the road and he's not that kind of guy he got it done and he's gonna have and he's gonna have even an even tougher test against San Francisco but again like we talked about with with Tennessee this isn't a team you want to see and this game's gonna be close I, I I'm not saying the Vikings are going to win right now, but it's going to be a close game. And the Vikings are a good team, a very good team.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, actually as of right now, I'm watching the clip of the Kyle Rudolph, no call for the second time. Like I'm watching it right now as, as we're talking and it's the right call. It's the right. call. I, be- a- I,
1: I believe so. I believe so.
0: There's a lot of hand fighting going on from the light, line- from the goal line into that back corner. There's a lot of hand fighting, uh, Is there a little bit of a push-off? Sure. Absolutely there is. Um, But nothing more than what we usually see out of wide receivers or any sort of receiver going up for a ball.
1: Right. Well, I I will say this, too, on that. I I was listening to the NFL Ringer show, and Robert Mays made a very good point. He was like, this type of play is a jump ball play, and that type of play involves a ton of contact, and it's basically fighting for a rebound. That's what that is. And it always has contact. So – if every time this kind of play, this fade to the corner like this is played in the game, like you, you're you not, they don't call a penalty on that every time. In fact, they rarely do. So just because it happened in the playoffs in overtime for the game winner doesn't mean that you should call it differently than you call it in the regular season. If we're not calling OPIs or even defensive pass interference on these types of plays, then you can't be calling it at this stage. And that's why, like, I I am percent with you. I, I'm glad they didn't touch it and they just let it play out
0: right i mean and the only gripe i have with this is al riveron uh who's the he's the chief review guy for for the nfl officials um the guy shouldn't use the word consistent in any like that should be just (laughs) erased from his vocabulary because what he said was this call was consistent with what we've called all year he's been nothing but inconsistent so
1: nothing the nfl officials do is consistent so
0: But it's not even it's not even the NFL officials. It's Al Riveron, right? Because he's he's the chief guy. He's the guy in charge. He's a joke. He's a
1: mess.
0: (laughs) In fact, you know what, Dallin? We're we're adding him. We're adding him, right now. You know what I'm adding him to? No, I don't. Pit of misery, Al Riveron.
1: Al Riveron, you're going in, dude. He wrote it. I'm watching him write it in the notebook as we speak. It's official. Al Riveron, you're in the pit of misery, dude. Consistent?
0: Are you serious, dude?
1: That's pretty much a joke.
0: He's a joke. He's a a joke. Why don't we have guys like Gene Steratore that can do that type of stuff? Yeah. Right? We have great guys that are in the booth for all these networks that call better than Al Riveron. Why don't we have them? In this position. But, no, we got to put Al River on there. He's a joke, man. Yeah. it's he's, um, he's an absolute joke. Just his name gets me fired up, gets me a little irritated. Hearing Al, Alberto River on, just gets me fired
1: up. <laughs> I can't stand the guy. Oh, man. He is a Mitch, mess. Well, well uh, it, this, this ends an interesting season for the Saints, who looked so good and fall so flat and – You know, the similar narrative of what happens at the quarterback position remains in New Orleans as it does in New England. And that is, what does Drew Brees do? He is a free agent. In fact, all of their quarterbacks are free agents. Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Brees, all unrestricted free agents this year. So the Saints quarterback room could look completely different next year or it could look the exact same. And that's going to be an interesting... I mean, I think a lot of people felt like if the Saints won the the Super Bowl this year that Breeze may, may just, you know, ride off into the sunset. And, you know, he set a lot of record this year. And to go out on top like that would, you know, be pretty satisfying even with the loss in the playoffs. So that's a, that's a situation to be observed. And the Saints could be a very different team going forward. Uh, but it also goes to show, like, I know we talk about. You mentioned Sean Payton when you mentioned Mike McCarthy earlier, and they're similar stats. And we talk about Sean Payton like he's Belichick or something. But I mean, how many disappointing losses have they had in the in the playoffs in the last couple of years? I mean, well, you had the Minnesota miracle, and like yes, the no call last year, but ultimately they blew that game in the overtime, and then you lose in the wild card round at home, like. I mean that's pretty disappointing. That's not good. None of that's good. And like we act like they're the cream of the crop, but like they haven't made a Super Bowl in all this great, you know, these last couple years, this great run. They haven't they haven't even, you know, they haven't made it. So, can we really talk about the Saints and Sean Payton as like one of these really successful head coaches?
0: I think what I think what we're looking at right now is the Buffalo Bills of our generation these really mm. good teams that can't get it done on the big stage right and for for buffalo it was getting dominated by by dominant offenses we saw that uh when they played the dallas cowboys and back-to-back mm-hmm. super bowls it was missed kicks when they played the giants in 1990 um and now with this it's it's the big plays it's it's the when you need to make one stop it, they're not going to get done. And I, yeah. think, I think we're really seeing the Buffalo Bills of our generation. Like, they got it done once in, what, oh9 against oh, the nine. Colts? That, that's a long time. That's a decade ago. That was a decade, which is weird to think about, that it's already well, a decade ago. Right, and but so like, there it
1: goes. It's like, what, what Sean Payton's a good coach because he won a Super Bowl 10 years ago? Like, why is Mike McCarthy not a good head coach? Because you made that argument. Like, their exactly. stats are the same. That's so what I'm how saying, yeah. This- Right, that was this guy, a good head coach who can't get to the Super Bowl after 10 years, but Mike McCarthy's a bad coach cuz he got fired? Like I I don't know, it's it's interesting why like I don't I'm not going to trust the Saints in the playoffs from here on out. They haven't showed us that they can be trusted to win games in the playoffs. Yeah, why should you? I mean, so why? So like we, but we do this. We see, oh, the Saints are thirteen to three. Oh, they'll cakewalk. I mean, I was watching the pregame on Fox, and they're they're picking the Saints by seventeen, by seventeen. And you know, it's like, why are we give them this much credit? Sean Payton is the Marv Levy
0: of our generation. And again, I go back to the Bills. Marv Levy was the head coach of those Bills teams. He's you know gr- good head coach, but can't get it done on the big stage, and. You know, it, it, yeah, I'm with you. I can't trust yep. the Saints in these types it's, of situations it's strange. anymore.
1: Why would you? What what reason have they given you to exactly. trust them? There's no evidence that Drew Brees and Sean Payton in this version of the Saints team that has more or less existed for the last three years. The Kamara, Drew Brees, more run-oriented, you know, whatever, good defense that's what this team has been for the last three years, and they've come up short every year. So, I yeah, very interesting. There's to so see many well.
0: similarities. Like It's it's really mind-boggling the similarities between the Bills
1: and the Saints right now. The only yep. difference is that the Bills made Super Bowls. That's more than the Saints but, see, ever i ever say.
0: Well, yeah, but I, I, I'm i not even equating it to that. It's, it's the big right. stages, the big moments. Because, like, they had the stud wide receiver, right? Both teams had the stud wide receiver. Both teams had the stud running back. That would be Kamara and Thurman Thomas. Right. Okay. You Both teams had the stud quarterback, Drew Brees and Jim Kelly. Both teams had the big head coach, Marv Levy and Sean Payton. Both not getting it done on the big stage. I mean, both yep. losing multiple times on the big stage to the same team, both being the Vikings, What right. the other one being the Cowboys. I mean, wow. yeah. It, yeah. It, it, there, is, there are some striking similarities here that I don't think we can ignore, and we're – and, man, it, it, oh,
1: it's it's eerie to see the similarities between the Saints and the Bills right now. Yeah, you're right, Mitch. That's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. Very all right, weird. Mitch, uh, let, let's talk about the final game. It's, it was the worst of them all. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but the Seahawks got the win over the Eagles, 17-9. Yeah. And the Eagles were at home, but Wentz goes down with the concussion in the first, like, what, five, four minutes of the game? And then it's Josh McCown, by the way, who is currently a— quarterback's coach for a high school football team in Charlotte, North Carolina during the season. He flies back to coach the team on Fridays. That's who we're talking about guy who was retired and on TV this summer. That's who's the quarterback of the Eagles in the playoffs. And the Seahawks got an ugly win against Josh McCown. Like I, like I I know DK Metcalf was impressive, but the Seahawks were not. And I don't, I'm going to be honest with you. I know there's some history between them and the Packers and people think like there's a shot I don't see a single shot that the Seahawks could beat the Packers. I really don't. I was very unimpressed with this performance.
0: Well, what impress- What Seahawks win has been
1: impressive, though? I mean, this is their MO. The one win they had against the Niners this year was impressive, and even the loss was more impressive than this. With
0: the, with the exception of that, though. I mean, like, this is their MO. They win close games. They it, And it's it, it goes back to my argument with Houston. Oh, oh shit, we're down a score. Yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson, can you do this?
1: Can you yeah, put can you put up a
0: points for us? This I mean,
1: team. You've got to beat the Eagles by more than 8 points. You've got to score more than 17.
0: I'm yeah, I'm not that's, disagreeing that's, with you on that, but it's it's the yeah. it's the it's the fact that they're waiting till the end here. Defense is doing enough there. Right? 9 points given up. I mean, obviously it's a it's a dilapidated Eagles offense. I mean, they're just totally it's destroyed by injuries. Eagles team. <laughs> Like, they're totally have destroyed, left? but, you know, at least they're keeping them in the ball game here, right? Like, they're doing enough,
1: even if it oh, wasn't yeah, the a whole Eagles lot. Oh, yeah, deserve a ton of credit here. Oh,
0: the Eagles deserve enough. Okay.
1: Yes, because they hung around with the Seahawks team that should have destroyed them. And with Josh McCown at quarterback, they stayed afloat. Like, that's impressive. Which, like, by the way— I know they lost, but, like— I mean, this team has nobody on it and they were still playing for it. Like that was impressive. The Seahawks were not at all. Which, which by the way,
0: I'd like to call out the Pat McAfee show here for saying that Josh oh, you put in a quarterback that's fifty six million years old. Okay, let's not forget that Drew Brees and Tom Brady are both older than Josh McCown. Okay? Yes, thank let's you. Let's not let's not let's not forget that. Josh McCown was drafted after those guys. And Josh McCown has been a great backup quarterback. And I think he did I think he did well. For what, for the of course, as well 18 as for 24, could.
1: 174 for what he was thrown into. Yeah. I mean, he's ice cold. Yeah. I don't think he played at all this year. And all yeah. of a sudden he's going to go in for in the playoffs. Like, come on. Playoffs. You want to talk about playoffs? playoffs.
0: Yeah. I mean, the guys just, yeah. Yeah. No, it, as much as it pains, it, it pains me to say that the Seahawks have no shot against the Packers, but they have no shot against the Packers. I just can't see it. They like, better like, they better make some serious adjustments if they want it. Because look, their leading rusher was their quarterback. Right. And their leading touch guy on the ground was Travis Homer, a guy that was on the practice squad. Exactly. And he was eleven for twelve. Exactly. One point one a carry.
1: Yeah. That's Listen, nuts. You may be able to scrape by against the Eagles, sure. But you're not going to scrape by with some Russell Wilson heroics against the Packers. You're not. And I know that people have started to devalue the Packers. The The advanced stats say that they only earned about nine and a half wins and they got 13. So they got lucky or whatever the case was. The 13 some people are saying is not true. But this is a team that won 13 games that has a good defense and Aaron Rodgers and a good run game like This is not the Eagles. This is a much better team than the Eagles, a team that got number two seed in the NFC. You can't cakewalk your way. You can't bullshit your way into a win against the Packers in the divisional round like they did in the wild card. And that's where I'm saying this team, if this is the only way they can win, then they just can't win a game like next week. They just can't. Not, no, not with this formula. Like you said, drastic changes need to happen. It's not the time of the season for that. They have too many injuries, and they have, they, they've had too many games like this to change that completely and be a different team. So I just, in my mind, I can't see it. And you know what? That means they probably will get a win against the Packers, and it'll be a Niners-Seahawks-NFC championship, and I'll have to eat my crow next week. But I just can't. I literally just cannot see it, Mitch. I cannot. Yeah, yep, this is... Not good, not good, man. So let's let's move this over into this week then, because we've talked about these matchups. But let's let's get into this, Mitch, and let's make some predictions here, okay? So let's start in the divisional round.
0: Yeah, divisional round got some good matchups, man. Really good matchups. We got Minnesota traveling to San Francisco to take on the Niners. That is a 1:35 p.m. West Coast start time. Yes, on Saturday look, this is going to be the true test. Are the Niners for real? This Niners team has been so good all year, yet we still doubt them. Are they good enough to get into the conference championship game? I think they are. I'm going to take the Niners in a 23-20 victory over the Vikings.
1: Okay, yeah. I'm going to take San Francisco as well because I think they've been the best team in the NFC all year. Uh, over the course of the season, I think they've been the best, the best team. And as great as the Vikings' win was last week and as, as much momentum as they may have, and as confidence, deservedly so, that they may have, I think San Francisco gets a win uh, 28-21. to 21. Okay. And uh, I think the key to this game, what this whole game comes down to, Mitch, is Jimmy Garoppolo, who's making his first career playoff start on Saturday. And he's facing off against a guy who only has two playoff games under his own belt and Kirk Cousins. But if this team is legit, Jimmy Garoppolo has to be good. He doesn't have to be great. This isn't a team that relies on Jimmy G to throw 350 and three touchdowns a game. This is a team that runs the ball and relies on defense. But he has to be—he can't turn the ball over too much— and he's got to be efficient with his passes. And as long as he can keep the offense moving and do enough, they can get a win. But that's the key to me in this game is what Jimmy G looks like in his first playoff game. He gets it at home, and that's a huge advantage. But it, th- there's no knowing with a guy you know like this what he's going to look like in this in his first big game.
0: Well, and think about it. Jimmy G learned how to win in the playoffs from a guy named Tom Brady, who apparently only knows how to win – in divisional round games, he can't get it done on the wild card. So, there's another there's another argument right there off the bat that you, the Niners are sitting pretty. But let's go uh let's go to the let's go to the Saturday night game, Titans Ravens. This should be a fantastic matchup.
1: Yeah, the Saturday games, I got to say the Saturday games are much better than the Sunday games. I don't um, know why they stacked these two on Saturday.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> they should do one and one. I mean, it, it yeah, should be I really yeah. should
1: yeah, but like we said, same thing with Minnesota. Tennessee coming off a big win with a ton of momentum. But, again, Baltimore is was the best team in the AFC this year, the best team in the NFL this year. And as close as I think this game may be, I think Baltimore gets the win. Mitch, I'm going to say 33-27, to Baltimore gets the win.
0: <sighs> I really want to step out on a limb here, Dallin.
1: I really want uh, to step out on a limb. I, I know you do Mitch and part of me wants to too but Lamar Jackson Mitch. I know La, I know Lamar
0: I, Jackson He was what I was thankful for this year. I I'm so <laughs> thankful for my Lamar Jackson. I can't I can't do it. I got to take the Ravens in this one. I mean yeah. and to be honest give them to me by two scores. Okay. Give them That's to fair. me by two scores. I'm going to say 14-24. Okay. Baltimore.
1: Yeah. And here's the thing. Lamar obviously had a very rough playoff game last year in the wild card round against the Chargers. The Chargers really stymied him. And I, we, we talked about this last year. We had a very long conversation about it and I defended his second half and I thought he would build upon it. And he did this year, but this is big. He's back in the playoffs and he's back at home and he has a chance to prove himself and say, no, I can do this when it matters. And, I think there's a lot at stake for that and I think he's going to take that stage seriously and he's going to he's going to have a fantastic game so every so there there can be no doubters about Lamar Jackson's ability to win big playoff games. Yeah, definitely. So definitely. All right, let's go to Sunday Mitch and the first game the, the morning game, the late morning game is Houston Texans at the Kansas City Chiefs. We get to see Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs again, Mitch, which I am just so excited about. And I said this earlier, I don't think this game's going to be close. I'm going 38 to 21. Kansas City gets the win.
0: Yeah, I am with you on that one. Um I think it's even a wider margin. I'm really? I go, I am going to go 38-17
1: Kansas City. Wow, so 21 points. They win by three it, touchdowns. I This This Listen, Chiefs I don't blame is, you. They're they're hitting their stride you. at the right
0: time. Pat Mahomes is an absolute gunslinging machine. You might as well call him a jugs machine with the way he throws a ball and the he puts it exactly where you want it to be every single time. It's this is a no-brainer, Chiefs.
1: No-brainer. Yeah. Well, I think people I think Lamar Jackson has made people forget about how awesome Patrick Mahomes is. Because Lamar Jackson had a great season, and we kind of forgot that Mahomes did what he did last year. So I think this is a chance for him to say, hey, guys, like, remember when I was the MVP and I threw 50 touchdowns and I could have probably been the MVP this year as well without Lamar Jackson there? Like, I'm still really good. Now, there's been one knock on the Chiefs during this
0: whole sort of run that they've had over the last few years, and that's been the defense. Right. So there's another way I could see this game swinging where it's – 41-38. 41-38. I right. mean, it's just a shootout. It's just a shootout. But I really think the Chiefs defense bears down when it needs to. I don't think the Texans offense is good enough uh, right. even to do any sort of relative damage to the Chiefs and so that's why I'm going by the three-score win here that the this 38-17 victory here, but Yeah, 100% um, with you. Following that game, last game of the weekend, uh a 3:40 p.m kickoff time on the west coast that is seahawks going to the frozen tundra of lambeau to take on the packers we just discussed this yeah um ron this one's for you gotta take the packers in this one packers just they're they're too damn good of a team i mean just and this and it's not even that the packers are just too good it's that the seahawks just aren't good enough like, they, they just don't have enough behind them to get that done. Now, I'll be damned if I'll be wrong. But, you know, it's it, it just seems like it's got to be the Packers here.
1: Yeah. Got to no. be. I agree with you, Mitch. I'm going to go Packers at home. And I'm going to go 23-16 for a final score there. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, we had so many home upsets last week. Three out of the four, in fact, road victors. Uh, and this week we picked – all home winners. Does that, the, like, the odds, like, one of these teams has to lose, right? If there's I mean, one,
0: I think it's San Francisco.
1: Really? That's the team you think loses? San Francisco?
0: I think I think that Mike Zimmer does a hell of a job of galvanizing the troops. And I think that they're riding that high. I think Kirk Cousins is riding that high. I think that there's one, yeah, I think that there's one team that loses at home. And I know that Levi Stadium is going to be packed. That's going to be a roaring-ass crowd, right? But, man, if there's one place, I think, if there's one team I think that could lose this week,
1: I think it's going to be the Niners. You know, Mitch, uh, I'm going to agree with you there for two reasons. One, I think of the four teams to make it through the wild card round, I think Minnesota is the best of those four at this moment. I would take Minnesota in a game against Tennessee, Houston, or Seattle. So I feel most confident about Minnesota. And when you're looking at home games – one experience matters. Jimmy Garoppolo. We talked about this, but two, the environment. Can't Green Bay, Kansas City, both very difficult places to play in the playoffs. Arrowhead
0: is the Bal- toughest place to play in sports. It's just and Lambo
1: maybe Lambo's top five. Lambo's tough, and Baltimore is. You know, Baltimore may not be have a reputation. It's going to be any place is tough to play on the road. But if there's a weakest home stadium crowd, like effect that you're going to have from anybody I think it's going to be from San Francisco so when you couple that with the fact that I think Minnesota is the best team coming out of the wild card round, you're right that is as much as I love the Niners and as great as I think they am I think that is the most likely place for uh one of these home teams to slip up I agree with you I'm with you so all right, Mitch, well that is about it. Like is NFL playoffs the best time of year, guys. I don't care what anybody says. It really is. It's the best time of year, and uh we had a great wild card round and I expect the uh the divisional round to be equally as entertaining.
0: Yeah. No, this this should be a good a good Saturday slate. <laughs> I don't know about the Sunday slate, but it the Saturday slate should be very very good.
1: Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Yeah, so uh, we look forward to these games. We'll obviously be covering playoffs in the Super Bowl as they come NFL draft stuff. Uh, as we get closer to that, we'll be talking about here too, Mitch and uh, you know it's it's a fun time of year for the for the podcast. Being able to cover the playoffs is, is a ton of fun and uh, we've got just more stuff coming in the future. So stay tuned if you've been listening, uh, keep listening because uh, we're gonna have more and more as the playoffs continue.
0: Yeah, closer we get to the draft, we'll probably have some, start having some uh, mock draft stuff coming up. We'll, um, I know the NFL just did their all one hundred team. We've got something in the works for that. Yes, um, yeah. We we we've, we've got some stuff coming up here. It's an exciting time for football as the football season winds down. It's it's probably the most exciting time of the season other than kickoff for the year. So um, we got some stuff coming up for that. Uh, thank you guys again for listening so much. We uh, we really appreciate all the listens. If you want to go follow us on the Instagram, that is the Sports Hour Guys. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Hour Guys. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, wherever you guys get your podcast media. You can listen to us there. Go on there. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Tell us we suck. That's the only way we can get better.
1: Yeah, we appreciate it, you guys. Enjoy your week, and we will catch you ya- next week. See ya!